0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Patty Vasquez is sort of a catch up because Patty was on the show on July 12th, 2019. Uh, things have changed since then. Uh, one of those drastic things is a, a global pandemic. And that is why, for the first time ever, we now have a Patreon account. Uh, when I used to be on Patty's show on WGN, ...or when Patty would come on You, Me, Them, Everybody... ...I didn't really ask for money because I had a full-time job... ...because we weren't living through a global pandemic... ...well, things change... ...and that's why you can now donate... ...at You, Me, Them, everybodycom ...it's in this podcast description... ...it's also on the about page... Um, ...Patty and I... ...have known each other for quite some time... ...I used to go on her show all the time... ...I reported from the Republican National Convention... ...and the Democratic National Convention for her show in 2016... And I was on her show the night before the 2016 presidential election. So I wanted to catch up, see how she feels about tomorrow, the future in general, and sort of go over what's been going on in the last 15 months in her life. So here is that show. (laughs) I remember the last time we spoke, it's clear because it was July 12th, 2019 at the Hungry Brain. How has your life changed? Um, So pretty much right in the middle of that's COVID. So from yeah. seriously, if you do the math, like, yeah, how was your, um uh, from July to COVID and COVID to obviously now, how have you been?
1: I've been good. I mean, I loved running for office. I just, when we, when we talked last year, mm-hmm. I don't think that they had made the appointments, uh, for those seats that I, I, I had, uh, been sort of recruited to run, but also had been wanted to run for years but there were some you know machine politics involved some backroom deals uh threatening phone calls a lot of chicago politics at play and uh it became a three-way race for the 19th district uh house seat was what i ended up running Mm -hmm. for um and it was great and then uh, the opponent the incumbent uh went really nasty um she also had a lot of money she had about three hundred and thirty thousand dollars. the third candidate had about a quarter million and uh, I had about one hundred and twenty, and what I didn't have in money, we had in grit, and we hit the doors every single day. I was up from five thirty a m every day till about eleven, you know, whether it was door knocking or campaigning at the train stations, making phone calls. But you know, there's one thing you can't uh, strategize for, Brandon. <laughs> it's a, a pandemic.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So without the sorts of resources that they had, they they were paying people to be at the polling places. And there's studies that say that like the 30 percent of undecided voters will basically vote whoever the last person is they're told about or the last thing that they read. Oh, sure.
0: So,
1: yeah. So you know, for a down ballot uh, race for a house seat, it got exciting. I came uh, I came about four points
0: short. Are you glad you did it?
1: Oh God, yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, it's funny because I've been getting phone calls uh, that I can't go into, but already trying to look in the last week, uh, asking what my plans are. We really want you to run again. You know, we, we we're so sorry we were, we weren't all in on your race last time, but you really proved yourself. It's been it's been interesting.
0: Well, what happens tomorrow alter what you do in twenty twenty two.
1: Um, what happens? I don't think there's not much locally that will change what I do. In, in, and not in 2022, because I'll have to start running again, if I decide to, pretty much, um, as soon as we find out what my district lines are, you know, okay. we get, yeah, with the census results, we'll get redistricted. And I got a phone call today saying that there's a target on my back that they're pretty sure that they have put a red circle around my address, my house to uh, figure out how to get rid
0: of me. So once again, why do you want to do this?
1: <laughs> um, I actually, uh, since, and you asked how my life has changed since COVID, I am a assistant uh, policy advisor now for the Controller of Illinois, for Susana Mendoza, and even doing this work. And, and in some ways, I, I am very fortunate that I get to do the work that prompted me to run um, I really think that there aren't enough warriors. Uh, I don't want to do this, you know, as I don't want to be a career politician. I want to get in and do as the best I can as quickly as possible. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, it, it sounds um, <laughs> like a pie in the sky thing, but it really makes a difference to have a legislator in your community that will fight for resources at the ground level. You know, whether it's making sure that we can fund our schools and our roads, uh but on the bigger picture in the state of Illinois, I think that we need to be moving to a healthcare for all. And I don't think we have enough people fighting for it.
0: Do you see that happening in your lifetime?
1: Healthcare for all?
0: Yeah. At least <sighs> in the state of Illinois.
1: Um I I mean, just seeing on this level the lengths at which the powerful are willing to go, I see what people are up up against and on just on a micro level. Um I, I, I would have to believe that it's possible during my lifetime. Uh, yeah, I do believe it's possible.
0: Um, do you think you'd be able to achieve that more being in office or having your old radio show?
1: Oh, my, no, not with my radio show okay. at all to sort of twisting in the middle of the night. Um, I don't know if you read, I wrote a piece, uh, this, uh, weekend about how things went at my last, uh, employers. Uh, you know, I was aggressively harassed sexually for years and verbally abused. And I finally wrote about it last week. There's just no way um, that I could continue in that sort of environment. It was just toxic. And I also think with the radio show, I mean, you know, we, we have these intimate conversations with listeners, uh, whether it's podcasting or, uh, on the air. Um, there's only so far you can go, uh, with, get I mean look. look, although look at Joe Rogan Jesus what a mess (laughs) I mean I guess you can sort of have an I mean it seems like guys like that have an impact on on those who are I would say would you would you would you say willfully ignorant would be a good way to say it maybe (laughs) but no I think that definitely getting in and doing policy is where I didn't realize that was my strength until I started doing the work this year um because all research and connecting people and finding out where you can be the most help.
0: Are you happy right now?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not happy that we have uh, you know, I, I, I this crisis is so bad, but I'm happy with the work I'm doing. I just, okay. I don't know what happens next. You know, I've had 16 people test positive for COVID. And three oh my have died. God. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Now, one of your, Members of your family is in, like is pretty much always at risk. Is that correct? Is yeah, that-
1: my son Declan. Yeah, yeah. Declan's not. Yeah, so there's no way we like we he hasn't been around people except for he had to have major dental surgery. Where that, with Declan, who he has intellectual disabilities uh, to the extent that he cannot speak, does not necessarily uh, um, react to language. We okay. don't know what his language reception is. At 15, he might just be stubborn and be like, "I know what you're saying. I don't care."
0: <laughs> Got it. Okay.
1: It's funny because I I had a dream last night. I often have dreams where Declan uh, starts speaking, and and, uh, those are always some of my – they're my favorite and saddest dreams. But, yeah, he – the only people he's been around since March were just the doctors and uh, the family, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) So – I'm in Washington D.C. You're in Chicago. Illinois. We were both in the same place the last time we talked. I think it wasn't the last time we talked, but I spoke with you the night of the Monday before the last election, the last presidential election. Yeah. And so I'm sort of rehashing, not rehashing. I'm revisiting those same people I talked to um, Uh because I want to know if you think what, what was going to happen happened. If anything in the last four years was surprising, um, and how you're feeling right now, pretty much.
1: Um, well, it's funny. You know, you were great with talking about, like, really laying out the landscape of the wrestling characters. And this is, you know, uh, these are the, the sort of elements of it. The, you know, the face, the heel, all those things. And, um, you know, I was cautiously optimistic. I never thought Hillary was going to win until the Monday before. I started seeing this really... You know, groundswell of people online starting mm-hmm. because people remember people would hide their support of her. You didn't have like as many Hillary Clinton lawn signs or positive posts or sort of this, you know, getting people on the same page. She was yeah. very divisive. Um, but it wasn't until Monday that I started thinking, oh, maybe she will win. So that <laughs> I wish I had remained cynical uh, because I got my hopes up. What has happened in the last four years is, you know, this was we thought it would be bad. And we, you know, I I just I mean, just what I see more now is the Republican Party and their devotion to getting to accomplishing what they want, which has been the judicial. If you look at all the judges across the country, Mm -hmm. I mean, like we really changed the way laws are going to be enforced and enacted for the next 30 to 50 years. And that's staggering.
0: Is that surprising?
1: is it surprising that he was going to do that much i that i that was the one I, I, we knew the supreme court right that's the high, high profile one um i think that that's the one The thing that surprises me more is it's the entire legal system not just the top it's from every you know family courtroom to uh you know state level court it's just awful um so that was that's worse i thought all the stuff with immigration and it was never surprising that the, that it, it, what, what was what's surprising I guess is and I shouldn't be is my disappointment in my fellow Americans to not see him for what he is. you know all these people who like their thing was always immigration, it was always um, you know abortion, it was always the national security And I and I would ask people after he won, I would say just say it's worth it to you that his racism, his you know sheer uh, relentless, uh antagonism, dividing the country, name calling, belittling the sexism, uh all of it. And and they would. They would say it was worth it. What they want they got what they wanted out of him.
0: Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if anything the thing that turned me off the most, there's not there's one thing. it's, it's the kids in cages. The kids in cages mm-hmm. is a bridge too far. Not saying that the rampant sex sexism and racism and all that isn't a bridge too far. Of course not. But <laughs> That's the thing that still makes me ill. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah no I, and I mean there are 545 orphans. they cannot track down these you know when they when they separated the kids and people would say, oh well, Obama built the cages but they had a they had a timeline you had within 48 hours every effort had to be made to make sure that whatever decision was made they would be reunited and I think that the max like they would be in, in jeopardy like they, they they cracked down on it. Um, this was a complete disruption of that. Um, but no, I wasn't su- I, I just wasn't surprised by the but, you know, when people won't let us call them concentration camps. Well, you concentrate people into a small area and you encamp them as a concentration camp. I'm, I understand that you have another uh, connection, intellectual connection to you. You think that we're saying it's a holocaust. No, we're saying that you have done this. You have uh, put people in danger. I mean, the little boy that died uh, who had the flu. We could there were several there were many deaths um that were happening and it what, what I'm saying is that I'm not saying that the racism all that stuff was enough to disqualify him I, I, which was terrible I'm saying people still didn't care about the I mean the people who put him in office who are going to vote for him this you know tomorrow and and have been and show up in trucks with their flags waving this is the kind of stuff they wanted
0: I don't disagree but here's the question how it relates to you 4 years ago you were on the radio doing this in the last year plus you've been running for office the entire time you've been very 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 open to outsiders either calling in your radio show or talking to you on facebook etc you like not you necessarily like hearing contrarian opinions but you don't initially say go away does that make sense
1: sure yeah and i and i and i put up with a lot of the thing is and i know that both sides do it of name calling and you know, sort of devolving into just nonsense. Um, I'll let people sort of have conversations back and forth. But if it's all you're going to do, if that's the only reason you're on my Facebook, especially that page, you know, the just my regular friends and stuff like that. I mean, I know I have too many. You you, you know, 5,000 people are not necessarily your friends, but at least common interests should be something. And the way people uh, have these arguments, it, I consider my Facebook wall to be like a cocktail party. And that was how I did my radio show. Clearly, um, but you know, it it was we could disagree, and I like that idea of like, be we can disagree, but we don't need to be disagreeable. I would not let you come into my house and take a crap on my on my couch because you didn't like the way uh, I argued about something. If you're going to throw a fit, you don't need to be here anymore.
0: And I understand that, and I respect you, but I don't respect that type of show. For example, and here's why: you put a kid in a cage, right? And if you're defending the guy that has a kid in the cage, you're not invited to the party anymore.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I never had Trump supporters uh on the like in the studio.
0: No, 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 I understand phone. that. But even yeah. when I would be on the show with you and the people would call in and I would every single time I would ask you like why do you let them <laughs> Why? Like this is your show. You control the board and the microphones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I it was but it like part of it is also, I think, early on because I, you know, again, I was off last, uh, and, and I didn't do that as much going into that second, that the year before, right? We we were sort of, because things the things changed with the dynamics of my show. They brought in a co-host, and you know, we were they wanted me to go in a different direction. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you're it's a good it's a good point. So it's not good. I, I, I just enjoyed those conversations and i and i always want especially because i knew i always wanted to run for office Mm -hmm. i also wanted to keep that in mind that i was going to be representing if i i will be representing people who don't agree with me and i still have to fight for them i still have to um take into account not those sorts of beliefs but what they need fundamentally right And and that's being safe
0: yeah, and um, I disagree. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, like I don't care if you're afraid of anything. I'm not putting a kid in a cage. If I'm going to lose your vote, fine. I'm never going to win your vote. You're for kids in cages.
1: Right. I, that's I, yeah.
0: that's non-negotiable.
1: Yeah, and I and I agree. And that was something that we we tried to get across. Um, I also don't think there's much I accomplished with a radio show. But you know, and I never it was never my my instinct to to have incredibly long. Well. The other thing was that I would have producers who would say would be in my ear like you know you're overreacting and by the way one of my producers now hosts a far right conservative radio show so it makes which sense one that, which one uh, Craig Collins
0: that dude and I did not get along I <laughs> do you remember this at all or no
1: yeah no but I mean like imagine every single day like that
0: yeah. Well, I mean, you know. if you got to put a kid in a cage, you got to have your beliefs. I get it.
1: <laughs> so that was, and that was during the the first year or two of the Trump administration. So that there, there's also driving forces behind, like how the show uh, unfolded. You know what I mean? Like that's that was sort of the 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 what the station wanted me to be doing as well. Yeah.
0: Does it bum you out where that that station went once she left?
1: Um, I wasn't surprised. Yeah. I I thought. I thought it it was more. I mean, like mine was a very humiliating and public uh, firing, but I think that what they've done along the way, you know, with all the hosts, I thought was unfortunate. But I I thought that was all going to go down, with the exception of the co hosts that were first fired after me.
0: Yeah, so we're talking about WGN. It's not like a secret or anything like that. But they got <laughs> when did they get sold in December or January?
1: Yeah, it was... No, I think that the because the the boss that fired me was let go in August. I was okay. let go in June, June 16th.
0: You were June 16th of 2019? Correct. That's right. And then, yeah, okay. And the guy <laughs> I, I knew was gone... or It doesn't matter. The point is we, we're all future endeavored. It's a wrestling term. And it did not get bought by Sinclair, but it almost got bought by Sinclair. It did get bought by a different right-wing conglomerate. Right. And... I want to let everyone know DC voted 92% not Trump in 2016, 4% independent, 92% Hillary and then 4% Trump, right? Chicago's the same. Chicago voted 92% not Trump yet. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense <laughs> yep. to me. That's that's what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, and I think that that also played a role too because if you think it like I would get uh, I would have conversations with my boss about how the new owners were listening to my show. So that played a role into it too. Like, where was I going to fit? Yeah. Um, could I, uh, you know, negotiate, navigate those waters of, you know, people who were disagreeable um, and, and, st- and sort of without having to have them on the air? Because there were like right wing pundits that wanted to come on my show. And I would tell them, I've heard you, I've heard the garbage that you put out there and I can't, I'm not going to have you as a good, because Mm -hmm. I consider the guests to be sort of like, here are people I consider to, to, you know, I I have vetted or whatever. I'm sharing with you listeners. I, I felt that we could open that up for conversation in both placate my bosses and demonstrate that and because when i was running and, I, and believe me i would hope i know that my aunt is really you know was was beside herself about the, the cages i have to believe and what i would tell uh, voters is that my dad was a lifelong republican and i wouldn't want him to be left out of the process i will represent you like he you're, you're my dad um but i don't think my dad would have been it okay at all with the cages i mean and my dad was Irish, my mom is Mexican, and so it doesn't mean necessarily that he would've, my dad was conservative when it came to, uh, I have a joke about this, that he would say things like, damn Democrats, they let too many immigrants into the country, and my mom would be like, I'm right here, you son of a bitch. Yeah. You know, so, but I, I, that and that's always kind of been, I, I hope that my dad would've been a better Republican, you know.
0: You did write about your family um... In 2019 and when you were running in your in your last name um yeah and it's not a fun story
1: no and and it's been like i so for for 25 years i've gone by the name patty vasquez as Mm -hmm. my stage name. my mother is from mexico and uh i decided that summer that that would be the the way i would enter business and and the driving force behind that was that that summer was the same summer my brother's murderer was going to be executed. And it was John Wayne Gacy, which meant that all of our names were going to be in the papers again. And if it became something, and I, and I also, I felt that saying I'm Patty Vasquez and and I would never, and I committed to it, not ever telling a comic, don't do that joke. Or, you know, and that summer, everyone like open micers. I mean, can you imagine how many, there were so many comics that had jokes about Gacy and there was only one time that I had asked. So my name is, uh, is, Patricia Bonin um, and I go by Patty Vasquez Bonin now to cover all my bases <laughs> but uh, that was I was forced that was that came from the incumbent um, she started um, they were trying to figure out why my name appeared on the ballot the way they did they started spreading rumors they messaged people like why is Patty using her husband name not knowing the entire story yeah and then they accused me of, uh, the conservatives were accusing me of pandering to progressives by using the Latina name, not knowing that I'd had that name for a whole career. But uh, yeah, so I uh, I was really, I, I thought, well, it wasn't how I wanted to do it. I was eventually going to try to write a book, but that was never, I don't know when that would have ever happened. I'm, now I'm doing it. But uh, yeah, we decided to, I reproached the journalist who wrote the story about when I got fired because he had been the most kind, he didn't like push as to like you know what really happened and tell me you know all that stuff.
0: And it was Chicago Magazine, correct?
1: Yeah, Chicago Magazine did it, and and also Jonas Esposito, who uh, is a host at WCPT, uh, a progressive radio station, and she had been um, you know involved in a really nasty public uh, situation years and years ago, and and I'd known her for a long time, and she's always been very kind. So I, I did that interview. The mistake I made was doing TV. Um, I talked to a good friend of mine. He's like, you have to let people in the media know this story first uh, and just let them know that you're going with other people and just out of respect to them. So I called WGN, my friends there, and Lourdes Duarte immediately wanted to do a piece. And that's where I made the mistake because, you know, visually, I didn't think of what they would do for the teaser, you know. So my poor sisters had to go through ugh, seeing those body bags again. Oh, God, and, yeah. And the footage, they did B-roll. and um you know, it was Christmas time. It was the exact same time of year when when uh, we learned about Mike's death. Uh, he had been missing for over two years. Yeah. So, so anyway, so this weekend, I don't know if you watched it live, but I, you know, my entire life, I've had to. I, it's like a gut punch when someone makes a, a Gacy joke. Uh, Colin Jones made a joke that um, Trump is killing more Midwesterners than Jeffrey Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy. And, you know, I, I get that it just, it was, it's just weird. It's just, it, it'll never not be weird that that's an easy punchline for people.
0: Yeah. 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 I'm not really going anywhere with this. I'm just like, that's uh, it's a monumental thing that you've been living with for so long. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I had, uh, and there were times when, you know, even on the air, I would come close, you know, when people would talk about these illegal immigrants who come here and murder people. We need to get rid of all the illegal illegal immigrants. So I would tell people on the air that uh, my brother was murdered by a middle-aged white guy. You know, do we get rid of all the, over, you know, middle-aged white guys? So I, w- I would mention that part of it. Um, and I'm against the death penalty, which people are always surprised by. But it's not fair because, I, you know, my family got what they... Well my they believed they wanted it it never helped my dad yeah. and um and i think that any uh accidental execution any any wrongful execution is one too many
0: so in a weird way this all there is a bow to this it's not a fun bow but this opened with you talking about like old school chicago machine politics wasn't well, gacy you know, a precinct captain
1: well so that comes back to the when we talked last summer so that's what's really been The interesting is that somebody I so I'll just this I can say names on because they're public figures. Um, So Robert Martwick, who was the one who I talked to about possibly going for this vacant seat that was going to happen. He was the representative of the 19th district in my neighborhood. And our senator was going to become a judge. So we talked about it. He made phone calls, said, you know, I think this is a good idea. And then all of a sudden pulled the rug out and decided he wanted to be the senator And in in order to get that seat, because, you know, all these other machinations involved, he had to make a deal because in Chicago, in Illinois, they do appointments through committeemen and then they each have a weighted vote depending on how many voters show up uh, in each election. So the guy with the heaviest weighted vote uh, was an alderman who was absolutely reviled in my community, had lost, um, was clinging to his last, you know, ability to have power and actually told me that. He said, when I realized I had this little last piece of power, I was going to use it. So Martwick became the senator and the deal was either the former alderman or his chief of staff would become the representative. And that was a deal that was made. Um, so here's the kicker is that in that article you read in Chicago Magazine about yeah. someone pulling out a business card and they think it's a funny story. That's Senator Robert Martwick, his father, Robert M. Martwick, I think, uh, made maybe it's Robert J. his father Rob Martwick made Gacy a precinct captain Jesus. And, and and, and the thing was that when Martwick did that years ago it was his 50th birthday and I just I said I have to stop you sir that's you know it's just not a fun cocktail story but when the article came out legislators started calling me and saying I can't believe you threw shade at Martwick and I said what are you talking about he shows that card all the time
0: oh yeah I bet he does
1: yeah. And, and beyond that, um, the kinds of things that I've, uh, there's, there's some folk anyway, there's a lot going on that I didn't know about and I'm writing about, but I mean, these, they really are willing to do anything to hold on to power. And he had to know that that was going to be part of what she was, she was doing. So when I was at my former employer, after I reported sexual harassment, you know, my boss promised to help me out. And things got worse and worse and worse. And I finally, I said, you know, this coworker is being verbally abusive. And they said, well, we'll help. And I said, I need to leave. I, I, we're done here because I put up with five years of persistent and aggressive sexual harassment. I paid the price of, you know, I think I've, I, I at least should have the space to not be treated this way. And I said, I'm done here. I tried quitting, Brandon.
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: Brandon. Yeah. And, uh, and they said, oh my God, we'll help you. I broke down. I talked about all the sexual harassment, told my boss. And then here's where I made the mistake. I reminded them that they knew it, not just me, but other women. Like I was in in an office when this guy, this really powerful executive said, uh, you know, you would cost me a lot in my divorce. And then everyone started laughing and he said that, uh, go ahead and complain to HR, you'll have to take a number, right? But he had said things like, you know, you're smoking hot. He grabbed my ass at the pride parade. He would say things like, uh, you know, it, it all just like, and I wouldn't even know how, to, like when I went into the station, I wouldn't know how to dress. I would sit in front of my mirror trying to figure out like if I'm, if I look too good, am I asking for it? If I don't look good is my job in jeopardy? Like it was it, there were times when I was absolutely paralyzed. And so the station was, you know, like, okay, we'll help you. please don't you know, you don't have to leave. And they didn't for five weeks, they kept pro- promising. And finally, I defended myself on social media which I got suspended for, but I, I you know, I, I was like, here, if someone says this to you, how do you react? Yeah, they, they suspended me. They brought me back, gave me back my own time slot, and the coworker went into a, a courtroom and got a, a do not contact order and listed my wor- place of work as a place I could not go to. And it turned out that the employers like basically had his back on that. They, they were when I came in after I got dismissed and vacated, they were like, well, that's what you get. Seriously, that was a re- <laughs> it was insane. But in the meantime, the person that helped me get out of it was Robert Martwick. And he had his good friend uh, at the sheriff's department pull the file. The coworker had told law enforcement that I might have a weapon on me or in my house so that, that the level of threat was elevated. And so that that's what ended up on the mailers. He fed that to my the incumbents campaign. They put it on the mailers that I harassed a coworker so bad they gotta do not contact. And the mailers were like things like I you know, that I wouldn't protect women in the instance of rape or abortion. And then I had to come out with that story. I was sexually assaulted when I was three. Um, and all these things are, are things that I'm starting to write about because I don't need to I'm not gonna answer these questions again.
0: Sure. Um, so I'm not trying to gloss that. over anything, but <laughs> yeah, th- thank you for tying it all together in a horrible, horrible way. Uh, uh, yeah. D- did you ever think of moving?
1: <laughs> uh no. Uh, well, look, I I sold a sitcom in 2015 to ABC Studios, and it d- it only went to the written pi- like the the written pilot, and yeah. never went to shoot. It was down between me and Gabriel Iglesias. But I just, you know, and I, and in order to follow through on that, uh, I would have, you know, to capitalize on the fact that I had already sold a sitcom, I needed to move to Los Angeles. And at the same time, I was fighting in Springfield for funding for families who have children with disabilities, for senior care, for all these, you know, all these things that like, you know, with this pandemic, with the money that, that they lost over that course of those two and a half years, we started out in Illinois way behind the game yeah. and are still trying to catch up. But and a lot of that had to do with what I was fighting to, to help with, with the budget impasse. And I chose Illinois over California. Um, and I don't regret that. I've never, you know, and I, every time I left Los Angeles, I never thought uh, I wish I could stay. Um, I think someday, yeah, I would like to live, you know, not in Chicago, maybe. It's hard to say. I don't know that I'll I'll live out of Illinois. My husband has family there, too, you know.
0: Yeah, but like cars and planes exist.
1: I know. But it's also for the family support, you know. Like if yeah. we, if there's emergency with Declan, or you know, um, that kind of thing is is helpful to know that we have people that will help take care of anything that we need at
0: home. Good luck. <laughs> are you hopeful for tomorrow, or are you indifferent tomorrow? Because you're realistic. Yeah. Where are you? How are you feeling right now?
1: No, I'm indifferent. I I, I would not be surprised if Trump won again. You know, I'm not going to get my hopes up again. I just, uh, I, do I wish, do I hope that we have a, a Reagan-Mondale looking map with Biden blue as far as the eye can see? We're not going to have that, but um, I don't know. I mean, these really crazy nut jobs in their trucks and their flags closing down bridges. And- I
0: love how you're focusing on the trucks and the flags, but like the people that have done the most tormenting in your life, don't drive trucks and flags. They literally live next door to you.
1: Yeah. But I mean, like that's the that's the the manifestation, right? The visual manifestation, sure, sure, sure. Of what do, right? So it's and and the you know right I, the 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 bad guys in, in in your own story are just people and and look, my boss for all, all appearances you know comes across as a like oh gee, I really want to help you and he didn't want to and and that's why I think they dug in so hard is there was no desire to admit that they had done something wrong and they know they did. Um, but that's, but that's a lot like, like Republican voters, like that, that's a challenge to your identity that you've been tricked or have done the wrong thing or are hurting somebody that couldn't possibly be us, you know? And, you know, that's that's the thing on the air when we would talk about racism and people would be like, I'm not racist. Well, I didn't say Joe in his, you know, in his easy lounger, we're talking about racism. No one mentioned you specifically. Why are you taking it so personally?
0: I'm specifically talking about Jones recliner. recliner. That guy's racist. I would ask for <laughs> social security numbers and broadcast them on the air. We're different people. Yeah, I know. Thanks for doing yeah, this.
1: Well, of course, my pleasure. That's part of how I got firebred. It was like I challenged the texture and was like, not going to take the BS. So that, that was really how I got. They said that I was uh, a texture had said uh, a lot of nasty language. And then I said, um, "I'm gonna tell the six three zero to go in grace. If he's gonna call us assholes, I'm gonna tell him to go in grace." And they said that that was uh, very condescending and unprofessional language. Uh,
0: the yeah. last time I took a call on WGN, I said uh, somebody the texter. I said, "I'm gonna go kill myself now," and that's how the show ended.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
0: The, the The point is this: I'm controlling the board. I have the microphone. Do your own thing. Right. Watch the movie Pump Up the Volume. That's the thesis.
1: Right. Well, that was they they hired this you know, that's how who I was the entire time I was there. I would say I would say things like that all the time. But, you know, because I had made life uncomfortable for them. Oh, sure. It was a convenient out for them.
0: Also, you're a no, woman.
1: No regrets. There's that. Yeah. I was the only woman of color with her own radio show at WG at the place we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs>